Hello, I'm Alex Zane, film journalist, movie fan, and your host for a trip to the movies. I'm a Pisces, I have brown hair, brown eyes, and Burt Reynolds once spent an entire interview calling me Alan Zone. Thanks very much for downloading the show. We've got a brilliant guest on the way. This episode is brought to you by Odeon. And if you've been to watch a film at Odeon lately, you'll know that nothing beats that cinematic feeling. It's not just about stuffing your face with delicious popcorn, although let's be honest, that helps. It's your hair standing on end, your palms sweating and being transported somewhere magical. It's feeling every footstep of some giant lumbering monster. It's car chases, space battles, and your heart beating out of your chest. It's about feeling cinematic, and nobody does that better than Odium. Head to odium.co.uk or download their app to book your next adventure today. If you'd like to watch today's interview in Glorious Technicolor, then head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. And for all the latest updates and to get in touch, you'll find us at Trip to Movies on all social media. Right then, time to introduce today's guest, who I interviewed last week in our Soho studio, a mile beneath the streets of London. If you're ready then, let's begin. Hello and welcome to A Trip to the Movies, where each week a special guest takes us on their perfect night out at the cinema. This week we are joined by a brilliant actress who started her career at just 14 years old. She starred in Disney's Penny on Mars, the BBC Netflix show Get Even, and is about to make a big splash on the big screen, starring in the brand new live-action Disney remake of The Little Mermaid, assuming the human form of Melissa McCarthy's undersea sorceress Ursula. Here to tell us about joining that movie, as well as taking us on her perfect night out at the cinema, it's the excellent Jessica Alexander. Hello. Wow. Hi. Hi. That was such a great intro. I should come with me everywhere and do that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just walk around going, uh, this is Jessica. Yeah, introduce me to everyone I need to network with. <laughs> was it Was it fairly accurate? Did I get everything right? You did. Actually, when you just said that I started working when I was 14, it's made me feel like really old. That means I've basically been at it for like a decade. Is it, it's right. I'm. I am right in saying that though. Fourteen. That was. That was. Your, that was your first audition. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's when I sort of just like got into everything, like getting signed and getting picked up by United Agents. Mm. Shout out them because I would not be anywhere without those guys. Um, but yeah, I basically didn't do anything of note though until I left school. Really. Mm. Well, yeah. We share an agency. I'm with Do you. Do we? Yeah, They're I'm great, with... aren't they? They're lovely. They're just lovely. Yeah. I wouldn't normally mention that, but seeing as you shout them out and I never do, yeah. it's like, yay, go United You've got to give them some credit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, they've stuck beside me. I was like, I had no idea what I was doing. When they signed me, they were like, they basically, that's kind of like how I learned about everything is just through them sending me on, on auditions because I never went to drama school, really wanted to, but I didn't go. Um... And they actually encouraged me not to go. I, they, they were like, don't do it. They might stamp out some of your originality and like rawness that you have to use. So just stick with us. And uh, it's starting to work out after nine years, almost 10. <laughs> well, I mean, you've learned on the job then. So literally yeah. like that first audition at 14. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. That was for Necktie, the short film. Yes, I did a short film with Yorgos Lanthimos. I don't know if I'm saying that right, even after all that time. But yeah, that was like one of the first things when I first went to LA when I was 18 and just like just trying to get like an agent or something. Like everyone wanted to talk to me about that because obviously The Favourite was happening mm. and all these big movies that he, you know, he was then coming onto the Hollywood map, you know, like the mainstream industry map. And I had completely like forgotten about it. When I was 14, I was just like, it's this cool Greek dude with a big beard, like wants me to come to a forest for a day and like act in this 
movie. There was like some quavers and some watsits in the back of a truck for like snacks. I was like, yo, I've made it. This is the coolest day I've ever had in my life. So, but yeah, I barely remember it now, but it's on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure people can find it. <laughs> I mean, that was a hell of a director to work with. I mean, the lobster, the killing of the sacred deer. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what a start. But would it be fair to say, I mean, you sort of say, I finally made it after, after nine years. But you have worked consistently. You've never really looked back. I mean, well, I mean, I feel like it looks like really consistent. I feel like most actors who have been lucky enough to work mm. and work steadily, it looks super consistent. But I mean, there's huge chunks of the year where most of us are doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, yeah, I've done quite a few films now, mostly independent movies. And, you know, those don't take very long to shoot. It's like four weeks. Like, you know, a lot of them made on basically no money. So for the rest of the year, I'm kicking about, like, just trying to get the next gig. But I think that's good for me. <laughs> so tell me the difference then between walking onto an independent film set and being in one of the most the anticipated movies of the year, the live-action remake yeah. of The Little Mermaid. It yeah. did it, was it slightly different? Very different, <laughs> yes. I mean, well, The Little Mermaid was the first film I was ever offered, which is a trip, like the first feature film that I was um, ever cast in. But... Because of COVID, obviously, there was like this big delay with filming. So I ended up in that year gap shooting these two independent films. My first one was A Banquet, which was a um, British independent film. And the second one was this really weird South African indie called Glass House, which I think we made on like maybe £200,000. Really small budget. Looks like so much more, though, because um, the crew out there are just absolutely amazing at making things look way more expensive than they actually are um but yeah thank god that i did those because i think i would have been really a lot more terrified than i was going on to the set of the little mermaid because those films like filmed pretty much all in one location i mean glass house was literally just shot in a giant glass house in south africa every day for four weeks and then a banquet was basically just shot in a house and it's like a really small cast really intimate tiny crew um and then obviously the Little Mermaid is like walking onto a football pitch of blue screen and about 300 people. And it's very intimidating, actually. You know, that's kind of when it all hit me like, oh, these big movies are not a joke. Like, you've really got to hold your own. You've got to be quite brave, I think. Oh, I, 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 well, I say I can imagine. I, I can't quite imagine because... I get the idea that you've got 300 pairs of eyes all on you. Yeah. Each of them has had an element to do with the scene that you're about to shoot and you are the final cog in this vast Yeah, you're just process. rocking up. Mm. You're just rocking up. They've planned it. Like, there was an animated, like, they wheeled in a flat screen TV and showed me an animated cut of the scene that I was going to film <laughs> the following week. And I was like, okay, so, I mean... We already know what you want me to do. Like everything is sort of, you know, they showed me the set, everything. I mean, you know, so by the time you're walking on, it's like, it did feel like a lot of pressure for me. I was quite young even back then. I mean, it's been a few years since I shot that. So I see, I've, I've seen a few things getting leaked and I look at myself and I'm like, oh my God, I look so young. I look like a little baby. <laughs> I mean, you've got like a guy who knows his way around a musical. This is director yes. Rob Marshall. He's done Mary Poppins Returns. He's done Chicago. Did he handhold you or did he just expect you to know what you were doing the minute you got there? I think he expected me to know what I was doing and then I didn't. <laughs> and so then he had to hold my hand a little bit. It was, well, my first scene was this, this scene where it's just me and I'm 
lip syncing to Halle's voice. She has the most phenomenal voice, you know, that I've ever heard, bar like a few other people who have equally phenomenal voices. And I can't sing like that. And I had to, to make it look like it was actually coming out of my mouth. And I got really shy. Like, I don't mind going big for performances, but that just, I was hearing myself and I was like, this is cringing me out. It's so bad. And Rob did come in and was like, like, you got to just step it up a notch. Like, you got to go for it. You want me to turn up the music all the way so you can't even hear yourself? Because no one in here cares what you sound like. I was like, yes, but I think I like that. Can you turn it up? And he did. And I think it was fine. But people were laughing. And I was like, literally apologizing to people. Like, I'm sorry, guys. I sound like a bag of dying cats. And everyone was laughing, so I knew I was right. <laughs> but that's, that's where the confidence comes in, right? Because you have the director going, what you've in a very nice way going, that's not quite what we're yeah, looking yeah, yeah. for. And then you have to be able to absorb that, not freak out and go, oh my God. Like, exactly. What you've got to be able to take criticism, mm. like, especially when you're in your early stages as an, as an actor, because I mean, everything, everything is rejection until you get a role, right? And like, I've been getting rejection for many years now. All my friends have. Rejection is like our best friend. Mm. So you've got to be able to, you know, just like roll with the punches. I think the good mark of any actor is just being able to take direction really well. I mean, on a set like that, the director is God to me. I'm like, if you're happy, then I'm happy. And I don't even need to, I don't want to watch my performance. I don't want to think about it when I go home. Because if Rob Marshall can come up to me at the end of the day and say like, oh, well done, you know, then I'm pretty confident that I've done a good job. Yeah. So Vanessa, obviously, the human form of Ursula, who's played by Melissa McCarthy, mm. the, the legend Melissa McCarthy, one of the funniest women on the planet, uh, funniest people on the planet. And um, did you meet her? Did you? Was there any sort of connection between what she was doing and what they wanted you to do? Well, well, I did meet her. There was the first day that like the Little Mermaid started to happen. They did this huge intro day at Pinewood Studios, and they like drove everyone there and did like a big sit down lunch and this tour, Rob did like a tour of like all these set models and fabrics and costumes and like all, how it's all gonna work, you know? So we, we all kind of met there, but obviously I was way too scared to like be like, yo, Melissa, like what's <laughs> up, you know? Hey, Javier, like what's good, you know? Um, I was just like, happy to be here. But no, we did, we did meet a few times, but we didn't ever work together, like alongside each other at all. I actually think I shot that big like climactic scene where I transformed back into her. I think I shot all of that stuff before she shot that stuff. So, um, so she's having to match you then. It's like, this is what Jessica's doing. I don't think she had to try very hard to do that. <laughs> it's Melissa McCarthy, but she, I've seen her since at the premieres and she, she told me that I killed it, which meant a lot coming from her. That's great. Yeah. She's like Hollywood royalty, man. And she's so funny. Um, and she's so good at Ursula, like perfect, yeah. I mean, because the premiere you you just mentioned before we started, you were at the premiere in LA. The one here in London was only a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, now. that one was scary. That was the bigger one because, like, in Leicester Square, there's all these people like screaming. That was a bit overwhelming. The LA one was a bit calmer. It's like closed off public. It's very Hollywood, though. I was like, yeah, I'm into this. Like, <laughs> but like I was like cosplaying, you know, being a successful actor. <laughs> <laughs> but does it feel? Does it feel? as big as it sounds and, and is yes. to you. Do you actually, are you, are you feeling it sort of internally as, a, as, a, as an actor? Are you like, wow, this is actually a big 
freaking deal. Yeah, I am. I think when the premieres happened, then I was like, yeah, this is a big deal because I had people that I admire come up to me and say that they really respected what I did in the movie. And even though it's only a few scenes that, you know, I really like stood out to them, stuff like that, you know, but um, it's also been such a long time coming. Like I got cast in this thing in 2019. Mm. So it's 2023 now. I'm like ready. So um, yeah, someone said to me at the LA premiere, like she looked me very earnestly in the eye and she was like, I really hope this brings you a lot of work. And I was like, Thank you so much. It's like the biggest, that was the biggest compliment I got all night. I was like, me too, girl. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it's a very LA thing to say. Not not brings you happiness, but brings you work. Yeah, that, brings you work. It's, it's, Same thing, yeah, though. True. That is that <laughs> To is me true. right now. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Well, you walked the red carpet at the premiere, and now you're about to walk the red carpet into another dimension, a dimension of pure cinema. You're our guide, Jessica. We are your audience. Let's go. A trip to the movies. You excited? I could tell you're excited. Always. Just then. Yeah. I love the I love the movies. I love the cinema. Like I'll be in there every weekend by myself sometimes. Okay. Okay. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> okay, sorry, yeah. We haven't even pushed open the doors to the foyer, but now we have. Here we are. <gasps> the excited buzz. There is always an excited buzz in a cinema foyer. The hum of anticipation. So it is your perfect cinema trip, Jessica. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with? I'm if it is a comedy movie, I'm picking Seth Rogen because of his laugh. Because I know it's gonna make me laugh like alongside the movie. But otherwise I'll just bring like my friends. I have my my one of my best friends, Razan, and another of my best friends, Ella Ray, both of whom I met on the films. We're like all cinema buddies. I'll go to the cinema usually with one of them. You got a cinema posse? It's a pretty small posse. It's usually just like me and one other person, right. but you know, small circle. That's what I roll with. So Seth Rogen's laugh. Yeah, it's so funny. You've not heard it. It's like, there's compilations that are like 30 minutes just of Seth Rogen's laugh on YouTube. It's like, it, it's <laughs> it's like that. Sort of guttural like an animal. It's really guttural. <sighs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. It makes me laugh so much. I'd love to bring him to a comedy movie, like a really good film, and just hear him chuckle next to me. What was it, what, what, when did you discover Seth Rogen as, a, as, a, as an actor? What was the movie that made you go, I like him, I want to go to the cinema with him oh, at some point? I don't know. I admire him so much. Like, I love what he's done with his career and like the way he just sits at home these days like making pottery and stuff. I just think it's so cool. I don't know. Because um, Knocked Up was when I sort of really yeah, feel like he landed. I was going to say, that's probably one of the first ones that I saw. And then like really dumb films like Pineapple Express and stuff like that that are just funny. Timelessly funny. Yeah. 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 So this laugh, I'm going to have to look it up. I've... You do. Insert it into the episode somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so do you find laughter infectious? Like in a cinema, if you've got a lot of people laughing, even if they're not Seth Rogen, maybe it's someone with the opposite kind of laugh, a really kind of laugh. <laughs> do you still, would that make you laugh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who have stupid laughs make me laugh, but I'm, I don't think I'm an easy laugh. Like a film's got to be really funny for me to laugh out loud. You know, like you laugh in your head with certain films, but like it's got to be really, really jokes for me to laugh out loud. I actually don't think a lot of comedy movies this day, these days make me laugh like properly. Old ones do. When you say old, what, 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 what sort of era are we talking? And is it to do with... I don't know, the, like the, the super bads and like the white chicks of the world, like those kind of movies that are just like, they just make your stomach hurt, you know? I actually watched like a Netflix special of this comedian, Bo, Bo Burnham. Oh, yeah. 
I watched. I didn't see. I, I clearly I missed the train on it. But that like at home Netflix special comedy he comedy special that he did during COVID, and that cracked me up because it was just so meta and weird. But yeah, not a lot of stuff really makes me laugh. Most of the stuff I go and watch is really depressing. I think <laughs> through through choice or by accident. Um, I think through choice. I like I like crying in the cinema, just as much as I like laughing. I think I don't. Sometimes I don't cry unless I go to the cinema and then like I'll sob and be like, wow, I really needed that, you know. Is it because you're in the dark room and no one else can see you? Is it a kind of a, a self-consciousness about no. crying visibly or? No, no, I don't mind crying visibly. I love a good cry. Um, it's good for the soul. No, I just think it's like, just cinema just touches me on that level and like music and everything. Like sometimes it just, it's like strikes that perfect little neurological pathway in your brain and it's just like completely involuntary sometimes you know you kind of can't help it so the cinemas are my therapy sometimes for real really can be it's got me through some rough patches for sure going to the cinema because of the escapism that it offers yeah i think so like yeah maybe a bit unhealthy sometimes but i'll just like go to the cinema and just be like okay i'm gonna find like, the longest film i can find <laughs> just sitting there the other day I was like waiting on, on finding out if I was uh, getting this role that I went up for, which I didn't, almost, but not quite, and that's fine, um, name of the game. But I, I went to go and watch that new Ari Aster movie, oh, but I was afraid, because yeah. I was like, it's like four hours long, so <laughs> I can just get lost in that. And that was weird. I've heard. Very weird. Not seen it yet. Is it really... I've seen a lot of weird films, and that one really took the biscuit. I'm not going to lie. But it was funny, and it was laugh out loud funny. So, okay. yeah, well done to him for making me laugh. Okay. Well, I'm going to put you with Seth Rogen. Are you happy with that? <clears throat> yeah, okay, cool. Okay. Nice it's you and Seth Rogen. <laughs> You're standing in the foyer. You look up and see a clock on the wall. It reads a specific time. What time of day have we gone to the cinema? Oh, yeah. Well, I like to go, it depends what kind of movie it is, but I think like around 6 p.m. ish is good. Because then by the time it finishes, it's kind of nighttime, but it's not too late. You can like go and get a glass of wine somewhere, maybe sit and talk about it, digest it. You know, that's like one of my favorite like dates or mate, you know, mate dates to to go and do is like go and see a film and then have a couple of glasses of wine afterwards and just talk about it. My favorite cinema is the, the Bloomsbury Curzon, mm -hmm. um, and they just have like a lovely bar there, and you can just get like a glass of red wine afterwards and sit and you know. Dissect it, dissect what you saw. Feel like intellectuals for a little bit. Right. Yeah. 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 So do you like that process of dissecting a movie? Because some people yeah. go on the they go to the cinema on their own because on their own because they like to sort of sit with it on their own and let their own thoughts percolate rather than immediately hearing someone else's. Yeah, opinion. I mean I don't want people to talk to me in the cinema. That's a big no. That that really annoys me. But no, I like I think it's good to talk about it with people. Yeah. Like this, like sitting and talking about film is like so fun to me. So Okay, yeah. good. So we're going at 6 p.m. with Seth Rogen. Yeah. Now, you have booked the tickets for us. Thank you very much, You're Jessica. You're welcome. That's no problem. And you can pay me back, though. Yeah, of right. course. Of course. Okay, yeah, cool. I just forgot my card. All right? All right, no problem. Uh, it no was, problem. you know, and mm -hmm. I don't have Apple Pay, um, cause, mm. which is weird. I know. Very weird. Strange. Mm. But I will definitely, I'll sort you out. We'll work it. You send me your details. I'll yeah, do cool. A bank PayPal, trip. Monzo. Something, something great, like that. Great, yeah. great. So you've bought the tickets. Uh, once again, thank you. Uh, where in the cinema are we sitting? I think I get really distracted by people in the cinema. I get distracted by like breathing and people eating popcorn 
and stuff like that. <laughs> so I like to go like near the back, uh-huh. but just like still in the middle because I don't want to be watching it like that. Mm. I can't. I'd never understand people who sit at the front and watch the whole film. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for Somewhere. the for the audio listeners, uh, you were looking at an angle then and then looking up. Oh yeah, yeah. sorry. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. I just don't want anyone to miss out on some wonderful mime work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think somewhere, somewhere in the back, towards the back of the cinema. But if like the VIP seats are free, like I'll just go and sit there, you know, even though I didn't book them, which, you know, okay. isn't, maybe that's like illegal or whatever, but <laughs> everyone does it and you'll be lying if, you know, you say you don't. It's a grey area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you will take the best seats without ever having really had to put forward the cash. Well, when you say it like that, no, it sounds I, really bad. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely fine. Every, like you say, everyone. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. Mm-hmm. Everyone does it. Okay, good. Now, you say you don't like people breathing in the cinema, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a big request. Um, at 6 p.m., that's a fairly busy screening, so there's a lot of people breathing. Yeah, there are. That's why I'm sat at the back. Right. Away from all the breathers. Oh, I see. It's a directional thing. People breathe forwards. <clears throat> yeah. Clever. Yeah. I mean, if it's a weekday, there's not always loads of people in the cinema at that time, to be honest. But on a Friday, yeah, way too busy. Okay. On a weekend, maybe I'll go a bit early. Okay. Beat the crowd. Okay. Well, we're keeping it at 6 p.m., but you are at the back, in the middle. Yeah, perfect. So that people are breathing forwards and away from you. (laughs) Forwards and away. Okay. The air in the foyer. This is the last thing we need before we leave the foyer. It's full of wonderful smells. Lovely smells. All manner of snacks and foods that are available at the various counters. What are you choosing for us to eat? I always get salt popcorn. Correct answer. Thank you. I don't trust people that do the mixing flavors that's mm. tapped i don't mm. know what that is make a decision you know what i mean <laughs> grow up salt or sweet but i have salt popcorn and what i've started doing recently especially after being in america is like putting like m&ms and stuff like in the popcorn and then shaking it so you get like a little bit of chocolate like in there sometimes with the popcorn it's nice okay so you're rallying against those who have mixed popcorn but you will chuck in some sweet stuff to balance the saltiness. well yeah but see you're twisting my words here now because this I'm makes it seem a question that just but it's different it's different because it's still a salty it's still a salty flavor mm. but i love in america they put all that butter and like they got so much sugar and fat in that popcorn it tastes so good it tastes so good who knows why we don't have that butter here because that would be... Probably because we'd all be having heart attacks. Mm. Really high cholesterol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not often you go to the cinema. I mean, it's a real treat, right? That I mean, buttery... yeah, I'm in there every week. Like, mm. If I was eating a large one of those every week, I'd have so much acne. Right, yeah. But yeah, salt popcorn. Okay, salt popcorn. Chuck and a some... Sprite. And a Sprite. Yes. Full fat Sprite or Sprite Zero? Like whatever they have, I don't really care. Uh-huh. Okay, good. You got, I mean, it's a- well, the refillable things they have sometimes that like you can buy a cup and then like you can have whatever flavor Fanta you want and you can refill it. And so I'll leave the cinema like if it's getting, if it's a bit long, like the Ari Aster film was a bit long. You know what I mean? Like I need a little interval or something. <laughs> so I'll just nip out, quickly top up. Like I mix a couple of flavors too, like a bit of peach Fanta and a bit of strawberry Fanta, a bit of raspberry Fanta. And you go back in. It's refillable. It's really good value. Let me just, let me just peach. What are the other flavours? Strawberry. Strawberry. And raspberry. And raspberry. Okay. That's... But you just pay one price. You can have as much of them as you want. You know, I'm a cheap date. It's not that. You know, it's pretty good value, I think. Okay. So we've got everything we need. Oh, one more, one more question. Um, just because obviously there is 
every other thing. You've just gone for a fairly standard popcorn with a bit of M&M's. I mean, the, the, the Fanta thing is insane. But apart from that, <laughs> everything else seems fairly okay. Do you not want any hot dogs, nachos? No, I'm not. Pizza, well, burger, there's everything. Not, I can see. I won't sit in judgment, but I honestly don't get people that eat like meat from a cinema. <laughs> it's just mad. Mm. If it was really good, mm. then maybe, but it always smells grim. And it, they just look like they're sweating. I see those little sausages just turning over in that metal thing. They just look like they've been there for days, just sweating, <laughs> sweating in the metal grate. You're laughing because you know it's true, it's gross. I'm, I'm laughing because I can't imagine anyone who's listening to this podcast is ever going to buy a hot dog from a cinema again. Yeah, I will have done the world a favour today. <laughs> a sweaty hot if dog. If you're hungry, go, like, go get dinner before the cinema, do you know what I mean? Mm. Just pop in, I don't know, have a McDonald's fry cat. It's probably still better than the sweaty hot dogs at The View or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I imagine these tiny little hot dogs with their tiny little hot dog hands mopping their tiny little hot dog brows as they sweat <laughs> on the grill. Oh, it's like that film. The Seth, Seth Rogen, Rogen film. film. Yeah, Sausage Party. Yep. Yeah. That's a funny movie. That's a dark movie. It is a dark movie. Really upsetting. I think there's something weird about animation that goes to such dark places. The <clears throat> douche in that offends me greatly. <laughs> God, I just think what fun to make films like that, though. That's why I love him so much, because you can just tell, like, he's at a point in his career over the last however many years, like, he kind of just does what he wants mm -hmm. and, like, gets to work with all his friends, too. A lot of actors, when they get to that stage, I'm, like, really looking forward to getting to that stage, hopefully one day. And just, like, make your own stuff, make it with your mates, and then just hang out for the rest of the year. <laughs> Making pottery. Exactly. Sounds cool. Yeah. All right, we've got everything we need. Uh, we seriously have not even gone near the <coughs> sweaty hot dog counter. No. So let's leave the foyer <laughs> and begin our walk towards the auditorium. Now, the corridor is looking a little bare, so we're going to decorate it with some posters about your favourite movie memories, or at least your most important movie memories. Ooh. Mm. The first poster we're putting up depicts your fondest movie memory. I mean, honestly... The LA premiere of The Little Mermaid. It's a pretty recent one, but that was pretty special. Like at the Dolby Theater, with 3,000 people watching it, and watching like Hallie come on screen for the first time, and everyone just like cheer. Like I've never really, never really been in a cinema when people. I don't. I don't go and see loads of like Marvel films, for example. So like I know that people get really vocal in those movies. Um, but yeah, that was my kind of my first experience feeling like hearing that many people like shout for a, for, a, for a moment in a film and that was really special. I think I started crying probably. <laughs> um, did no, did they react to your moments as well? Because I've heard that when um, actors sort of see people react, because not every actor ever gets the chance to sort of see a crowd reacting to their performance. Yeah, it's true. It's true. No, they did. They, I got a little clap. I got a little applause. That was nice. That must have been amazing. It, yeah, it was. It was cool. I think I shocked. I think I shocked a few people because I'm genuinely quite rabid in that scene, and uh, I think people probably weren't expecting that. Which scene is this? What this is like the sort of like climax of the movie, like just before I turn back into Melissa, mm. right? Turn back into Ursula. Um, I don't want to make it like a spoiler, but I guess everyone kind of knows the story of the Little Mermaid anyway. But yeah, and I'm basically just like shouting at Ariel and Prince Eric because Ursula's plan is about to not work because they might kiss and the sun is setting and it's like 
Yeah, I just get to do a whole bit, bunch of shouting, basically, and that was that was a uh, cool thing. People react to that. But I don't know. I have a lot of fond movie memories. Like that must be a big one, though, because so for anyone who doesn't know, LA, the Dolby Theatre is on Hollywood Boulevard. It is literally the epicenter yeah. of the movie industry yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah, it was a trip. Where they host the Oscars, for example. I know. Well, I walked in there and I thought, because it is huge, but on TV it looks so much bigger. Like, I kind of, I've been watching the Oscars every year since I was little because it's the Oscars, you know. And, um, yeah, I walked in and I was like, oh, yeah. It's a lot smaller than I thought. Like, it looks so expansive. But then I got on the stage and I was like, no, no, this is terrifying. Like, I absolutely see why people bottle it up there. Scary. This was at the premiere. You came out as uh, Yeah, they marched us out on the stage. I didn't even know it was going to happen, to be honest with you. I went back, like, backstage, like, cast pictures or whatever. And then they're like, okay, like, stand on your names. And so I, like, go and stand on my name. And I'm like, what's this for? And they're like, to go on stage before the movie plays. And so I was like, I think I picked up my dress. Like, I was wearing this beautiful, like, YSL dress, but it was quite long. And I picked, sort of, like, picked it up a little bit and, like, teetered on there my little heels. Like, I thought I was going to fall. <laughs> but, yeah, it's pretty scary once you're out there. My legs were shaking. I bet, I bet you're looking out over the, the, the who's who of Hollywood yeah. royalty. I'm just a random girl from London, like, stood up on this stage, like, wait, how did I get here, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that was, that, was a, that was a good memory, that whole day, really. Okay, did, did you go on stage in London as well? I did, but then I felt a bit more confident, because um, right. I kind of knew what to expect. Okay. When, I felt like we were graduating, that's what we were all saying backstage, like, oh, I feel like I'm, like, graduating school or something, getting called out. <laughs> All right, your fondest movie memory. I'm putting up a poster for the Disney live-action remake of The Little Mermaid because of the L.A. premiere. The second poster we're going to put up depicts your worst movie memory. There's a few that it could be. I've been on some bad movie dates, I think, in my time. Surely the cinema is not a good place to go on a date. I've never really understood I think that. it's a great place to go on a date. To sit in silence with someone you don't really know yet. Yes, don't. Talk to me. Let me watch the film and then we'll have loads to talk about after. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah. I remember what, when I was really, I don't know how old I was. When, when the Inbetweeners movie came out or like the second one came out, mm. I must have gone on like a date. I was probably like 13 or something. Gone on a date with some guy. And like he tried to kiss me in the Inbetweeners movie. And I was like, read the room. <laughs> this is really weird. And then I remember being like, oh, like, I don't want to be here. I think I just sat there like rigidly like afraid. Mm. So he basically did something that one of the cast of the Inbetweeners might try in the probably, cinema. Probably, mm. probably. That or like when Dobby died in Harry Potter. And I watched that in the electric cinema in Portobello. And I, I had to leave because I was crying <laughs> so much. I had to leave and go into the bathroom. And my mum came with me and was like, calm down. Like, it's okay. Like, it's just a movie. And it's like, he says like, it's like, Dobby is happy to be with his friends, you know, or something. And then he dies. <laughs> and people still leave socks there. I think the local council, like, had to basically tell people, like, please stop coming and putting socks, like, on this beach because it's, like, polluting the wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> like, we find socks everywhere. Like, probably the fish are trying to eat them, like, because obviously the sock frees the, the elf in Harry Potter. You right. can't be a free elf until your master gives you a sock. Yeah. So that was probably up, that's probably up there. I'll always remember how much I cried during that. It's probably one of the first like memories I have of like really crying in the cinema. 
right. not knowing how to handle my emotions at all. And was that the beginning of this crying journey that you've, you've been on, this enjoyment of crying? Was that sort of like where you were like, actually, you, you look back on that and go, oh, that was kind of fun. I let a lot out. Maybe, actually. Because when I look back on it, it's a really, really vivid memory of like, you know, when you're a kid, like all of a sudden around five, you just like suddenly get like self-consciousness and then you're like aware of the fact that you're a human being and then you have all these emotions. And it's probably like one of those moments for me, like, because it's really stuck in my brain. But it was not positive, though. I was very sad. It was negative, negative experience. I was not happy about that. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> you mad about Dobby dying? Yes, it was unnecessary. You really <laughs> believe that, but... <laughs> I, so here comes um, here comes a little bit of a test for me to remember which Harry Potter movie poster I'm going to put up. He dies in. I think it's the Deathly Hallows Part One. I think it is Part One. I'm going to go think with it's that. Part Two. I mean, weirdly, um, of all the movies to get wrong, Harry Potter fans are pretty vocal. So we will. Yeah, we might get rapidly attacked. find out if I'm wrong, but I'm going to go with Deathly Hallows Part One. I think it is that one. I let's, think go, it is. let's just let's, let's go with it. So I'm putting up a poster for that because I don't maybe really. Maybe it is Part Two. Maybe it is the. Oh, I don't know. Don't do that. Don't cancel me. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously though. Yeah, for real. Yeah, it's Part One. It's Part One. Part Two. So many other people die. Spoiler. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Well, if you haven't watched it by now, I mean, Christ, true. what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just not bother. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So, you know, Deathly Hallows Part 2. Not seen it. Not seen yeah. it. Uh, great. Okay. Uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. We're going to go with it. We're going to put it up. So the third poster. This depicts the last performance. It's a suitable question for you. The last performance that brought you to tears. Right. This is actually a good And I thought about this one before I came here. Mm -hmm. The Whale. The ending of The Whale. Don't know. If, have you seen it? I have seen it, yeah. Did you like it? I did. I did like it a lot. Yeah, A lot too. more than I thought I would, actually, weirdly. Me I, too. I wasn't sure. I've seen a lot of films that are adapted from plays, and I, you know, they're not yeah. very dynamic visually, but because of him. Yeah, totally. And I love that he's having this, like, resurgence, and it's just, it was just so enjoyable watching him experience that over the awards season or whatever. But, um, yeah, I sobbed my flippin' heart out at the end of that film, like, completely uncontrollably crying. And I actually saw it on a Valentine's Day date, which, <laughs> you know, proves that I do really like to go to the cinema for, for a date, which is, it's not a romantic film at all. Um, I saw it at Riverside Studios in Hammersmith, which is also one of my favourite cinemas. And there is a wonderful pub called the Chancellor's Pub right next to it, which does the most amazing pizza you'll taste in London. It's my favourite pizza spot. And so we went and got pizza there. And my date, as a demonstration of, of love, bought three large pizzas um, because I love this pizza so much and like I can keep some in the fridge, I can have some tomorrow. And so I eat like my body weight in pizza and then go and watch The Whale with the other pizza in the box sat next to me in the chair. Uh -huh. And there's, of course, this scene where he like eats so much pizza that he's like sick and yep. he doesn't stop. Oh my god, I felt so <laughs> nauseous. Like the irony of it was just insane. <laughs> I was like This feels like you went on an immersive the whale. Literally like a 4D experience. experience of the whale. Mm. Mm. 
Like, oh my god, I felt so nauseous, dude. I'm not kidding you. I was like having so much regret, and that I could smell the pizza. The pizza was sat right next to us, and we were sat there like people must think we're so bizarre, like bringing in these huge pizza boxes into this film. Like they must be judging us. But we were at the back where I like to sit, so I don't think they could see. But but after all of that, maybe it was the pizza or the red wine and the acting and the combination of it all. But the end of that film, I just sobbed my heart out. I left, I sent a voice note to one of my friends. Oh, it's like, don't go watch it. It's horrible. So sad. It killed me. It was horrible. So heart-wrenching. And stomach-wrenching after all that pizza. Yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a lovely... Um, I've never heard of that sort of show of love. You hear about flowers, chocolates, maybe dinner, some oh, wine. No, food. But it's the way to my heart. Three pizzas. Yes. As a gesture of love. What I thought was a little bit, you know... Insane, but so how I much she loves you though? A lot, yeah. Mm. Three, three pizzas, much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a new uh, metric system for uh, for love. It's yeah. like how many pizzas worth of love is there in you for me? Exactly. Yeah, I think everyone should start asking their partner that. Mm. You know. Right then, I can't believe that you did that for the whale. It's no. it's it's obscenely Didn't hilarious. Really think about it, honestly. <laughs> terrible. All right, a poster for The Whale is going up. We've reached the final poster we're going to put up, and this is your unpopular movie opinion. Hmm. Like what? Like, um, can be anything, kind of? Can be absolutely anything. For example, a movie that you love that everyone else hates, a movie that you hate that everyone else loves. Hmm, I don't know. I mean... I'm not sure I really hate any movie. There was one film I was not... I remember, like, I went to go and see that film, The Green Lantern, like, a couple of years ago. Mm, the one with Ryan Reynolds. No, wait, is that... Or The Green Hornet with Seth Rogen. No, 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 no. It was, like, a weird... The Green Knight with the Dev Green Patel? The Green Knight. Okay. That's the one I knew. Oh, because we got there in the end. It was definitely a green we movie. Did. It was a green something. Mm. The Green Knight. Mm. What on earth is Green Lantern? Green Lantern is the the old Ryan Reynolds movie that Ryan Reynolds now takes the piss out of as Deadpool because it was so oh. so bad. He transforms into a race car at one point, I believe. Okay, well maybe I should watch that. Okay, well it's no, not, no, no. It's not that movie. No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. But no, The Green Knight, and I love Dev Patel. I think he's phenomenal. But that film, I just did not get it. I was like, it just didn't work for me. But like I say, I don't really. That's the only one I can. And that was quite a while ago. That's the only one I can. I can recall that. I left the cinema and it had like a really high rating on like Rotten Tomatoes and everyone was saying it's like amazing. And I was just like, wait, am I just insane or like, am I the only person who feels this way? But I don't really hate any movie. I think there's always something to be to be loved in every, in every film. I would say probably my unpopular opinion just on the movie industry as a whole. This is fine. You can go there. It's like not everyone can be an actor just because you have social media followers or you know something like that I feel like that's increasingly like a thing these days like everyone wants to try their hand at acting and I think I think everyone should be able to do whatever they want you know give it a go and stuff but that there's a craft to it so there's a reason that I don't just like step into the helm of like a big movie and say well I'm going to direct it because I've never directed anything in my life and like if I want to do that I'll have to learn and I do want to do that but I will probably go through the processes of it but i do think these days it's like everyone just like yeah i'm gonna be an actor now because i've like done all the other stuff or i've got like enough followers that maybe i could pull it off and like 
me and my friends who have been hustling and doing self-tapes and auditions for all these years, you know, we go up for roles and then, you know, maybe we get close and we don't get them. And then we'll open Instagram and see like the most random person has been cast and they've like never acted in their life. And we're like, why did you even bother like asking us to read? You know what I mean? Ask all these, all these people in London to, all these actors, like, who are dying for a role to read and, like, give it to someone who's, like, on TikTok. But so, not necessarily a bad thing, but that's my controversial opinion anyway. I, I think it's a... It, I'll it, stand by it. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a fair opinion to have. Whose who's fault do you think it is, though? Because really, does the fault not lie with the, the film production houses, the studios, if it is a studio movie, by basically going, well, we want to publicise our movie to the widest audience possible. Yeah. They have a million followers so we're going to pick them as opposed to the person who is going yeah. you know they wouldn't get the part if it they weren't given the part because of their followers absolutely no it's that exactly hit the nail on the head i think it's um just a sign like it's just a sign of the times that we're in with film and art in general it's mm. like everything is about the algorithm and you know views and metrics and retention <laughs> all these weird words that get thrown around and you know, call me old fashioned, but I just quite, I mean, you know, three people could watch a movie that I'm in. And honestly, there's probably some things that I've done that not many more people than that have watched. And um, it's probably of better quality than a lot of stuff that gets churned out these days. There's a lot of like quantity over quality these days, it feels like, you know, not to generalize too much, but we just live in an internet age, don't we? So. I suppose a lot of people are prioritizing like views and money and over integrity. Yeah. But well, they call it show business. Well, exactly. It's not like show art. Yeah. Shart. Well, there you go. <laughs> it doesn't really have the same ring to it, does it? No, it, I mean, it has a ring to it, but not when you ever want to put on a poster. No. Instead, I go, oh, so what am I putting up? I'll put up, shall I put up a poster of. The algorithm. Absolutely. I don't know what that looks like. It's supposed to. It doesn't to... look like anything. It's fake. It's not real. That's the whole point. It's just like, it's just this weird little thing in the ether. I don't even, I wouldn't even know how to describe it to like someone who was from the 1800s. Like, what's an algorithm? Like, what does it? I'd be like, I don't know. It stops yeah. people from getting jobs mainly. That would be weird. In the, in the 1800s, if someone was putting on a play, They'd have to sort. Of, they'd probably walk down a corridor, and if someone had a self-portrait, they're like, "Well, they must be a big deal. We'll cast them." I mean, well, look, Shakespeare did great, didn't he? He was the man. The, he churned out a couple, and, <laughs> and um, I guess he was a. Uh, he mastered the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Back then. Yeah. 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 All right. The final poster is of the <laughs> algorithm, which just sounds ominous, anyway. It does. We've arrived at the last set of doors into the auditorium. Now, there are a queue of people hoping to join you and Seth Rogen in the auditorium. Do you want a busy cinema? Do you want to let them in? Or do you want it as just you and Seth and his <laughs> laugh? Um, no, I like a busy cinema for the right kind of movie. Depends what mood I'm in, though. Like, But I'll just go with the flow, whatever crowd is in there. I mean, it's all just part of the experience, isn't it? Great. They're for coming comedy, in. though. For comedy and horror, you want it to be like busy, I think. Because you feed off of each other's energy in that. Mm. Agreed. All right, the crowd go wild. We're letting them into the auditorium. Now, there's a few things we're going to play on the big screen before we get to the movie you've picked for us tonight. And the first thing we're going to play is a trailer for the movie you're most looking forward to seeing in the cinema. 
Oh, but it's a tie between two because they're both coming out on the same day. Barbie and Oppen- Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer? Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying that right. You are saying it right. But yeah. they're coming out on the same day. And I think I'm just going to go and watch them both back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Those two. 100%. I think you're in agreement with Matt Damon, who said exactly the same thing. Really? He's in Oppenheimer, and he said people can <laughs> go to Everyone is in that movie, by the way. <laughs> Isn't it unbelievable? I saw the trailer for the first time, like, on the big screen the other day when I was in the cinema, and I was just, like, seeing all these little glimpses of, I was like, hang on a minute, is that Florence Pugh? Hmm? I didn't know she was in that. Everyone's in it. Just to sort of it's go wild. through a few, you've got Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Rami Malek. Gary Oldman, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, see, I didn't even know RDJ was in it until I saw it in the trailer. I'm not very good at keeping up, and then I see things in the cinema, and I'm like, holy Moses, what's going on? So, yeah, everyone but me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Christopher Nolan can be on your list of people you want to work with. Oh, my God, 100%. Because everything is real. All these big budget explosions. I mean, he crashed a plane, for God's sake. Just for a movie. Yeah. That's creative integrity. That's, I like that. <laughs> he's, he's destroyed two planes. Obviously, there's the Dark Knight Rises, the one that disintegrates in the oh, air. yeah. And then... I never saw Dark Knight Rises. Okay. I know. So you're talking about Tenet? Yes. Did you understand Tenet? Yes. Wow. Yeah. You just have to throw all your beliefs about everything you know ever out the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, And then you okay. can with it. My mum, I went and saw it with my whole family, though. My mum was just like, the whole time. She's like, not, my parents are not in the industry, you know. I'm sat there like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've seen all year. It's amazing. And my mum was just sat there like, what is this? You know? So you've got Oppenheimer on one hand, directed by Christopher Nolan. And you're right, mm-hmm. I think Florence Pugh was saying it's, it's just, it's a set like no other she's been on. Because... I'm sure. I'm sure. I hope I get the chance to work with him one day. That would mm. be a dream come true. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I just got back from interviewing him in LA. That's why. Oh my God, no, you're kidding. Not, not really, yeah. Yeah, about Oppenheimer. Yeah. Very, very did, interesting. Like, did any bombs go off in the interview? Like, did anything crazy happen? Uh, he uh, described to me uh, the concept of writing a script in the first person and why he chose not to film it in the first person. And as my brain dripped out of my ears, I went, I understand, Christopher, <laughs> which was a lie. <laughs> So. You were acting. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm, no, I, 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 get, I get that. No idea. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, yeah, so, okay, that's Oppenheimer. Barbie, on the other hand, mm. Ryan Gosling, directed by Greta Gerwig. You know, I love got Greta Margot Gerwig. Robbie, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. It's a tough choice, but you're going to have to pick one. Well, because I don't want to, I don't want to pick one over the other because it's opening weekend. You've got to support the films that you want to do well. Mm. Like, I'm a big believer in that. Like, if there's a film that, you know, if there's a team behind it or like an actor or a director or something that you really love, you love what they do, like go and watch it on opening weekend because you're going to contribute to the, the stats and all the metrics and all this, you know, yeah, which make a big difference these days. Um, <clears throat> but I guess I'll probably go and see Barbie first, honestly. Really? Because I just think it will be so fun. I'll probably go with all my girls. I'll probably like dress up in pink, which I basically never wear. I mean, I'm in all black basically all the time. Dress up in pink and just like make a day of it. Go and get some cocktails or something. Okay, that was a big, big shout, but I appreciate you going with one. Barbie is the trailer. Oh, a great one to look forward to, you know? Okay, next up we're going to play a little scene. And we're going to play the moment from a movie that makes you literally or metaphorically pump your fist in the air. Yeah, see, when you say that, do you mean like, yes, like, like Breakfast Club, like, 
Or do you mean like, God damn it? Like, which one do you mean? Whichever you, however you choose to interpret that question, I would say. It's really hard. I would say like, yes, but that's the only time I rarely shake my fist in anger. Mm, I don't know. I mean, there's so many good movie moments. It's so hard to think. I rewatched Hot Fuzz the other day mm. and that bit where Nick Frost is like, I guess it's from, it's, he's referencing Bad Boys 2, right? Correct. Yeah. And he's like, he's going to yeah. shoot his dad and he can't do it. He's like, <laughs> like that for some reason, like it gives me so much satisfaction. So maybe it's that. I was thinking about that on the tube on the way over here. And I was like, man, that was such a funny, like, just iconic, that movie. But I love that moment. It's a, it's a good movie. It's a good moment. It, in the in the, uh, the 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 famous Cornetto trilogy, as it's called, yeah. which is obviously <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, Cornetto. Hot Fuzz, and then The World's End. Is Hot Fuzz your favourite? Maybe. But I think it's the first one that I saw, weirdly. I guess I watched them out of order. You did? Yeah. But um, no, I think it probably is. Shaun of the Dead's amazing, though. I think Hot Fuzz just makes me laugh so much. Like it's so it's so quotable, you know. No luck catching them killers, then. It's just the one killer, actually. You know, like there's just so many quotable bits, and I use it like on a weekly basis. I'll like quote something from Hot Fuzz. Great stuff, Nick Frost firing the gun in the air in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, is your fist pumping <laughs> moment? Okay, next we're gonna play what you consider cinema's most shocking moment. I can probably can't actually say what I think cinema's most shocking moments are because they're probably very inappropriate. It's it's fine. We're all adults here. I I, I just checked the room. Everyone's happy. We, Everyone we, over eighteen. Yeah, we're, we're adults here. Yeah, it's well, fine. It's, it's it's an adult show. That sounded weird. <laughs> no, it's not. That. It's not an adult show. I mean, our it's audience. Not that kind of program. It's not, we're not doing. We're not doing that. We we, we we pitched it. People said just talk about movies. So we're sticking with that. <laughs> Yeah, okay, let's stick with that. Yeah. Well, in that vein, when I saw one of them, I was like, this is insane. <laughs> like, how is this legal? So, so this is Nymphomaniac part one and part two. Yeah, I don't think I've seen part two. I think I've probably seen a little bit of part one and was like, Lord, and probably turned it off. I don't really remember. Okay. But think, I think that kind of stuff is pretty shocking. I've never seen uh, Nymphomaniac. Maybe I'm going to sound like a weirdo for the fact that I've seen it. No, I think it, it was, it's definitely made an impact on the more sort of... Uh... I love Mia Goth, though. I think she's, like, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like, she's really just she's so daring. Yeah, have you seen X? Yes. See, that's also full of shocking stuff, too. But acceptable shocking. Yeah, I mean, towing the line, I guess, for some people. <laughs> Not for me. I mean, it's pretty hard to surprise me with cinema. Like I've seen it all at this point, but *Nymphomaniac* crossed that line even for you. I don't know if it crossed the line, but it was just very shocking. Okay. What happens in it? Because again, I haven't seen it. It's, it's a lot of messy. Right. Oh God. It's quite. You know, yeah. Graphic. Right. Okay. Okay. Maybe well, that, or like for a PG version. Yeah. Other shocking things are like. I don't know, stuff that just like takes you by surprise. Like when I saw Robert De Niro just come out of nowhere in American Hustle. Like I remember the whole theater was like, <gasps> what? Like, 
And I just thought, how cool to be an actor that has like that kind of effect, you know, mm-hmm. on people that like you can just appear in a movie. No one knows you're going to be in it. And all of a sudden there's a whole theater of people that are just like gobsmacked by the fact that they're seeing your face. That's pretty cool. Mm. Like Kevin Spacey in Seven, for example. I mean, obviously. Not, yeah. Well, know, well, exactly. But at the time, <laughs> at the you're time. like, holy shit. At the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. For sure. Yeah. I'd love to have that effect one day, maybe. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to put down. Oof, I'll put down Robert De Niro in just just so we, we don't get. Yeah, into, put that down. Yeah, you're happy with that. Good. All right, Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro in American Hustle. That feels like the safer option right now. It is the safer option. Okay. So next up, booming through the Dolby Atmos speakers, we're playing the line. Or piece of dialogue from a movie that most affected you. So this is a really hard one because I don't think there is. There's too many. Like I was trying to think about it this morning. I was like, "What's something I can really?" I mean, to to reference Little Mermaid, there is this beautiful Hans Christian Andersen quote that comes up at the start of the film, and it's from the original Little Mermaid, and it says, "Um, like a something like." You know, for a mermaid has no tears, therefore she suffers so much more, which I think is so beautiful, actually. And I love that Rob put that at the start of the film. For a mermaid has no tears. Therefore she suffers so much more. I might be like misquoting it a little bit. So I forget this sometimes, but obviously there is an original Little Mermaid. There There is. Which, am I right in thinking, ends slightly differently to the Disney version? Oh, yeah. I mean, most original fairy tales and folklore end really differently to the way that um, they get told in film. The original Little Mermaid is really, really sad, actually. What happens again? She takes her own life. Right. The Little Mermaid takes her own life and, like, becomes part of the ocean. She becomes, like, sea foam or something. It's actually really beautiful. I mean, I think it's a gorgeous iteration of, you know, but the Disney version is a lot nicer and a lot better. Um... I mean, that would have been a big but, swing if Rob had come in one day and said, hey, Disney, uh, listen, I love Well, love exactly. Script, but <laughs> curveball, at the end, yeah. she gone. She yeah, dead. I don't think that would have run. They did mention it, though, like when we first sat down to read some stuff, they were like, you know, it's, the original story is just so heartbreaking. And, and we did think about it, but like Disney was never going to go for it, you know? But yeah. I think it's, um, I love like the Hans Christian Andersen tales, though. And like all those, I don't know if it's Han Christian Anderson that did like Hansel and Gretel, but like all those kind of stories, they're really dark and really creepy. But then like you can make something really lovely out of it instead. With, that still has lots of weight and gravity and, you know, there is, there is sadness and gravity in, um, in The Little Mermaid. Just, you know, it's nicer to have a slightly happier ending. I think Ariel deserves that. <laughs> and, you know, to talk about the uh, reception it's been getting, the reviews have been pretty phenomenal. I think it, well, I mean, I haven't really read them. Do you not read I've reviews? seen them here and there. Well, the first review, the first film that I had come out, I was like on a job and it had just premiered at TIFF and I was like, okay, I'm going to read all the reviews and I was like, okay, I understand why people don't read reviews because the first ones were not very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, critics, I suppose, are important, but they always are so... What the critics say is always so different to what the audience says anyway, I, I seem to notice. So kind of figure everyone should take it all with a pinch of salt. But 
no, the, the things that I've seen written about it are very good. Like Twitter is singing about it. So I think that's, uh, I mean, it deserves it. It's like a phenomenal movie, genuinely. So I'm happy to see it getting the recognition it deserves. Your uh, guest for uh, this event, Seth Rogen, um, actually, you could probably have a very interesting conversation with him about this because he said not so long ago that if critics knew the effect their words had on the people who made the then film... Then they would think twice about how... I listened to that podcast, mm. yeah. They would think about you know, think twice about how they wrote it. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But also, like, I mean, it's their job to critique movies. It'd be pretty boring for them and for the reader to sit down and just praise things all the time. Um, much like it would be boring as like an audience member to always go to the cinema and just like always agree that like that was a good movie. It was okay. I'd rather have, I think it's, I think it's cooler to have something that people are going to talk about, like agree and disagree on. Um, and you can't please everyone. So, you know, but I mean, critics is like, there's way more audience members than critics. So like, you know, we're also obsessed with numbers these days than, I'd say the audience is winning. Their opinion is probably more important. <laughs> it's interesting, the disparity between the audience score, for example, on Rotten Tomatoes, critic score versus audience yeah. score on that. You do notice a difference. I mean, critics are in the line of work of... Critiquing. Exactly. Right. And audience members aren't in the line of work of watching movies. Everyone's got their own flipping jobs, and then they go and go to the cinema to just like have an experience. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a good experience or a bad experience. I mean. That's the whole point. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. That's why I think people need to make sure they keep going to the cinema because it's so easy to just like turn stuff off if you don't like it at home, you know, but not liking stuff is kind of part of the experience of going to the cinema. I've sat through hours of films that I don't like. So then I can go and get my glass of wine afterwards <laughs> and like list out why I didn't like it, you know, and that, that's a good experience for me. Weirdly, I, I've, I've done the same. And then by yeah. the, the fourth glass of wine, you're just sort of shouting at the person opposite. You go, it's just <laughs> shit. It was just, I don't need to the justify. The thing about cinema these days is just, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> me all over. Uh, all right, what a lovely quote. Do you want me to print it on T-shirts? We've got a guy who can knock up some T-shirts really quickly in the corner. The quote that you've just picked, we can have, for a mermaid has no tears, therefore she suffers so much Heck more. Heck yeah. yeah. Whack it on a T-shirt. I'll oh. wear it all day. Okay. It's going on a I'll T-shirt. I'll send one to Hallie and Jonah as well. Lovely. And to Rob. <laughs> Lovely. Well, currently it's just yourself, Seth, and the audience wearing them. We can't, we can't get Okay. We well, if me and Seth Rogen are wearing matching t shirts, like my day must be going so well. <laughs> All right. One more thing to do before we get onto the movie you have picked for us tonight, and that is to play what you consider the best use of music in a movie. And considering you're just fresh off the little mermaid. Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be something from there. Some of my favorite uses of music in, in film in general is in like horror movies and stuff. Because if you ever watched a horror movie on mute, it just doesn't really have the same effect. Um, but I mean, gosh, The Little Mermaid is just packed full of good music, dude. It's crazy. Like the soundtrack, I genuinely have been listening to it, even though I know it all already. Um, it, Under the Sea is in there, right? Oh, yeah, it's in there. And it's like a carnival. It is lit. Like that is one of the, you know, everyone's in the cinema like this. And I know all the words, so I'll put that up there. I love that song. Yeah. So I'm not really a huge musical fan, but... Yeah, me neither. Okay, but Under the Sea? Yeah, like, honestly, I like, I like a musical where it just feels necessary and seamless. You know, sometimes, like, you watch... I have a lot of friends who study, like, musical theatre. Like, they know, like, every 
song from every musical, like Wicked and all these things. And I've never seen any of them. So I just don't really get the the hype or whatever. I mean, I suppose I do. They're very well composed, but it has to feel like really necessary for me. Sometimes I watch a musical and I'm like, oh my God, another song. <laughs> like we just finished one three minutes ago. <laughs> but <laughs> The Little Mermaid is like perfectly balanced, even with all the new songs added in. And I do genuinely mean that. It's like, it's such a pleasure like listening to it. Yeah. So when eventually it comes around to sing along A Little Mermaid, you'll be you'll be there. You know when they oh do gosh, that? Oh my gosh, I suppose they will do those, won't they? Of course, yeah. Yeah, that will be fun. I'll be there. I won't need the lyrics. I I'm I'm already cleared up. I got all the words. <laughs> just yeah. just turn it up really loud so you can't so hear So you can't me. hear me. Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <sighs> Right then. So, uh, which which song are we having? We got put under the sea oh, down. Great. Why not? Oh, it just I makes people it. so happy. I saw. I was looking at everyone's faces, like watching it, and mm. everyone's just like grinning, you know. So, right, we've arrived then. Oh, the big moment, yeah, the yeah. movie. Out of all others, you have picked to screen for a packed auditorium and Seth Rogen this evening at six p.m. What? Are we watching Jessica? I'd just say The Little Mermaid. <laughs> not, that's... not for your employers, it's not at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I might just have to say it. It's like the only film on my flipping mind right now. It's coming out tomorrow, so I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm getting tagged and all this stuff. It's like finally happening, so... I think I think I will say a little mermaid, and I think Seth Rogen would enjoy it very much. <laughs> and there's lots of funny bits in it, so I know I'd get to hear his laugh. Okay, if we're doing the Little Mermaid, which you are absolutely entitled to do, this is your You'll dream. Say something apart from the Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. Do I have to say something apart from the Little Mermaid? Well, let's just cover the Little Mermaid off first. You, you're, are you? Were you a fan of the original cartoon? Before? Huge. You were huge fan. Okay. Yeah. And so this is, if you're picking the Little Mermaid, you're getting the difficult questions. So is it, is it a justified reimagining? Because that's always going to be the big yeah. question. It's like, why remake it as a live action version of the cartoon? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it is. I'm sure like opinions will differ with people who just want to be controversial and say that it's not, but it is. And um, I think it's going to be very hard for people to disagree with the fact that it is. Um, just full of loads of joy and heart. And like all the performances are actually very grounded, which is nice with, such, you know, a world, world where, like, it's just fantasy, basically. It's nice to have grounded performances. Is Javier Bardem good as Triton? Oh, my God, he's so good. And I actually plucked up the courage to talk to him at the premiere. I was, like, saw him, like, on his phone, like, by himself for a minute. I was, like, this is my moment. And, like, I went over and I was, like, hi, <clears throat> Javier. Oh, hi, Javier. Um, I played Vanessa. He was, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was, like, oh, cool. Um, thanks so much. Uh, I just want to say, like, I love your work, you know? He's great. He's great, and the costume's great. He looks great. Everyone looks amazing. Okay, but double bill it, then. If we're having The Little Mermaid, we're going to do a double bill with another movie. Well, this is the thing. If it's not The Little Mermaid, my actual, like, choices of mm. what I would make people watch are a bit different, like, darker, probably. It's fine. That's fine. What a double bill. We're going to watch The Little Mermaid, and then... And then we'll watch Girl Interrupted. Okay. It's one of my favourite films. Why do you love it? I remember Angelina Jolie won the Oscar for it, didn't she? Did. She did. Yeah. She did. 
Um, I love it because it's just like a wonderful ensemble of women acting slightly deranged and um, I just love that. I love it. I don't know why it's such a timeless film to me. I think a lot of people feel that way. Like I always see people dressing up as Angelina Jolie's character for Halloween. Um, but I don't know. It was one of the first, I mean, it feels like when it came out, maybe it was quite, un quite unusual. Um, and, and films like that don't really get like big theatrical releases anymore. Back then, yeah, I think it was, I think it came out in 1999, which was actually the year I was born. So, um, yeah, I don't think a film like that would get a massive theatrical release anymore. It would probably be like on movie or something. In, I love that movie. I remember I was watching, and in my due diligence in preparation for this interview, I was watching an interview with you at the LA premiere of The Little Mermaid, mm. and you were saying to the interviewer that you have played quite a lot of deranged characters yourself over your career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, if you go and look at my the small amount of work I've done, I've played like a possessed girl. I've played a girl who's addicted to inhaling an airborne dementia toxin. So her brain isn't all there. And I just wrapped a job last year where I'm playing a girl who hallucinates uh, frequently and has lived past lives with this guy that she's met at a psychiatric ward. Yes, I do. I like playing those kind of girls. They're fun. Maybe it's because I watched Girl Interrupted at an early age that I was like, this is it for me. So this this one you've just read, this is Fallen. Yes. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I read the, uh, read the synopsis. Uh, you go to a rehab clinic called mm. Sword and... Sword and Cross. Sword and Cross, and you're there because you've done something that you can't even remember doing. Yeah, yes. A man dies and um, she can't remember if she killed him or not, basically, in a fire. It's, it's adapted from these books, basically. It's like a reimagining, quite a different reimagining from um, this series of books by an author called Lauren Kate, and they were bestsellers, I think, New York Times bestsellers. And so they adapted that, and I shot that in Hungary last year, um, and that was really fun. But yeah, she's also slightly mental. I mean, I spent most of that job doing like very intense stares off into the distance and having mental breakdowns and crying and panicking and running and fighting monsters and you know which is fun really sounds fun. great sounds right up my street yeah fighting monsters especially yes but it'd be nice you know balance it out hmm. a bit of like comedy or something that's why little mermaid first yep and then go yeah, interrupted okay. or maybe the other way around like go interrupted first leave, and then like to lighten the mood yeah. a little yeah. bit of little mermaid <laughs> All right, then. Well, Jessica, that's it. The curtains have closed. The guests are milling out, smiling, chatting and thanking you for taking them on an incredible night out of the movies. But before you go, it's time for this week's mystery question as we ask, what's in the box? I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Oh, what's in the box? Is that the box? This is the box. The, Sunglasses. The famous box. <laughs> it's a temporary box. The actual <laughs> box is in the shop. Uh, so here is the mystery Do question. Do you know what the mystery question is going to be? No, I never know. Oh. Okay. It's an easy one this week, actually. Oh, okay. You'll be pleased to hear. So you're starring in the live-action version of The Little Mermaid. Apart from the original Little Mermaid cartoon, preempting that answer, what do you consider the very best Disney cartoon and why? Guess that's... Guess best you Disney could, cartoon. I guess you could include Pixar in that, I imagine. They're Disney now. 
Uh, it's up to you. Hmm. Interesting. Thanks. That's why it's the mystery question. It is. Uh, I mean, there's so many. Oh. Maybe like Alice in Wonderland. That's a Disney. Is that a Disney? It is, yeah. I love that film. Or Fantasia. That's my answer. Fantasia, which isn't really a film. It's like a three-hour animation cartoon accompanied by a live orchestra. And the whole thing is obviously like timed to the music. It's the most hypnotic thing for a child to watch. I remember watching it at my granny's house when I was really young. and like, I was obsessed with it. I still watch it now every now and again. I'll just put it on in the background when I'm working. So Fantasia, yeah. Very few people have watched the whole thing. Everyone goes, the bit with the brooms in Mickey Mouse is a wizard. It's not even the best bit. No. It's a good bit, though. And I actually heard that playing on Classic FM the other day. And I was like, oh, Fantasia. So maybe that's why it's fresh in my head. Right, then. Fantasia is the greatest Disney cartoon ever. And that is it. Yeah. Your taxi has arrived, Jessica, to ferry you back to reality. But before you go, <laughs> let's recap your perfect night out. Okay, I go on then. At the cinema. so bizarre. <laughs> you are going with Seth Rogen at 6 p.m. You are sitting in the middle at the back so people breathe away from you because breathing is not great to hear in the cinema. You are having some salted popcorn with some M&Ms chucked in. You're not going near the stand that sells the sweating hot dogs and you're buying a cup in which you are putting peach, raspberry, and strawberry Fanta. Mm -hmm. Nice. We're going down the corridor. We're putting up a poster for your fondest movie memory, which is the LA premiere of The Little Mermaid. The second poster depicts your worst movie memory, which is Dobby dying in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, probably part one. TBC. <laughs> the third poster depicts the last performance that brought you to tears, which is Brendan Fraser in The Whale. It also made you nauseous because you ate your body weight in pizza before watching it. We're playing a trailer for Oppenheimer and Barbie, but you're going to go and see Barbie because... Is Barbie. Because Barbie. Because Barbie. We are then playing the moment that makes you pump your fist in the air, which is Nick Frost firing his gun in the air, mocking Bad Boys 2 in hot fuzz. We're going to play what you consider cinema's most shocking moment, which isn't anything from Nymphomania and is instead Robert De Niro just <laughs> appearing in American Hustle. That was a surprise. Yeah, that was a shock. Shocking. That was shocking. What line or piece of dialogue from a movie most affected you? For a mermaid has no tears. Therefore, she suffers so much more. Hans Christian Andersen's quote from the start of the new The Little Mermaid. The best use of music in a movie is Under the Sea. From <laughs> I'm fucking this film so well. <laughs> the Little Mermaid. It needs it. I don't think people are aware of it. Yeah, so. I know. I am putting it on the map. I do it with the help. And then what are we going to watch? Well, first of all, we are watching Girls Interrupted. <laughs> But then we are watching the, <laughs> the little mermaid. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Jessica, that is it. The curtains have properly closed. Thank you for taking us on a trip to the movies. Have you Thank had you. a good time? I've had a wonderful time and I can't wait to go again. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. And as Jessica's cab carries her away from our virtual cinema off into the distance, we must all leave her movie paradise and return to reality. But to soften the blow, how would you like a pair of tickets for a night out at a very real Odeon cinema? Each week, we give away a pair to someone who leaves us a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. It's that simple. 
The competition is only open to UK residents and the tickets exclude Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Lux. And just before I say my final farewell for this episode, don't forget you can find the full video for today's Jessica interview and indeed for every guest on our Trip to the Movies YouTube channel. So please head over there and help us grow the podcast by subscribing. And that really is it. I'll be back next week when another guest fills our cinema with their celluloid dreams as they take us on a trip to the movies. Bye-bye.